0: So I guess we can go ahead and get started. So getting to the gospel is the first point. Um, And as before we talk about methods for sharing the gospel, usually what I found the hardest part about sharing the gospel is getting there. So making the transition to talking about someone, having small talk, if you're first meeting this person, to getting to the gospel. So what are some ways that we can take a conversation from point A to point B, and point B being the gospel, And often, like I said, this is, this is often the hardest part. But whatever, what you have to do is just is practice. The more you do it, the easier it becomes. Um, and often, we like to make excuses. Well, I just don't really have the opportunity. I don't know that many people that aren't Christians. I just, the opportunity doesn't present itself. And so, an analogy I like, to say, I like to use, and I use this with you, so I might have to up the dollar amount. But if I were to say, pull out a $100 bill out of my pocket, and I were to say, every time you share the gospel, I'm going to give you $100 dollars. Raise your hand if you'd be more motivated to share the gospel. All right, yeah. So what, what does that reveal about us? I think that's true about everybody. I might have to up the dollar amount for adults. What that reveals is that we love money more than we love God. We're motivated more by money than we are by our zeal for the glory of the name of Jesus Christ. And so that, I, first time I heard that, that hit me to the core. I was in high school, so $100 sounded really, really good. Um, But I just realized I have so many opportunities to share the gospel. And if I was getting paid to do it, I would make the most of every (coughs) single opportunity. But uh, what that reveals about my own heart is that I love money more than I love Jesus. I'm motivated more by earthly things, by earthly wealth than I am by heavenly treasures, by receiving crowns and doing work for the Lord. So what it takes, even though it's the hardest part, is taking advantage of every opportunity. And so when you go to restaurants, when you go to a gas station, when you shop, and so you, like I, frequent pretty much the same places. And so I see the same cashiers at Kroger. I see if I go inside a gas station, I see the same clerk pretty much over and over and over again. And so are we taking advantage of those opportunities? Are we, are we building relationships with those that we encounter on a week-to-week, a day-to-day basis? One, one thing I do in college, I've stopped doing this, was every time I got gas, I would go in to buy a drink, which wasn't good for my uh, health, because it was uh, usually Coke or Mountain Dew or something. But I would, uh, I would introduce myself to the cashier, and usually they're, they're foreign, that's just the way it is. I ask where they're from, and then I ask uh, what they believed about God. And then we would start a gospel conversation. And it was usually, uh, they weren't very busy, and so they had time to talk. And so just things like that. Just easy easy things, places you're already going to, things you're already doing. How can you get to the gospel in those, uh, in, in those ways, in those encounters? So what are some good, um, so that's, that's one, one thing to do. But when you're just talking to people or meeting people, what are some good transition questions to help get you to the gospel? And I want to hear from you. So transition questions. <clears throat> Anybody got one? Yes. Uh, Do you go to church? Do you go to church? That is a great one. Perfect. And usually people aren't offended by those types of questions. They'll tell you if they go to church or not. Yeah. Do you believe in any religion? Yeah. Great. So just go straight for it. other good transition questions. So these are, these are great. So do you go to church? People will usually tell you, do you believe in any religion? That's not near as offensive question as we've been brought up to believe. People will talk to you about the religion. Do you celebrate any holidays? And so that's really easy with holidays coming up or doing anything special for Christmas. What do you believe about Christmas? Or right now it's uh, it's Ramadan. And so maybe they might tell you it's the, the holy month of fasting for uh, Muslims. So they can they tell you these things and you can easily get into a gospel conversation with things like that. We were just in Senegal a couple of weeks ago, and it's super easy to get into a gospel conversation there because these sort of questions are, are normal. Uh, most of their greetings have God in the name. and So we ask, how's your work going? And they say, I'm praising God. And we say, well, why are you praising God? And then you're straight into the gospel. Or they were fasting, so they would ask us, are you fasting or are you Muslim? And we say, no, we're followers of Christ. And so we get straight into the gospel. So some other ones that I wrote down, most of them were up here. So do you go to church? What do you believe about God or Jesus? Why is the world the way it is? Um, so that's what kind of what uh, the life track we'll talk about in a second. Why is the world the way it is? So do you recognize the world is broken? Do you recognize that there is sickness and hunger and death and disease in the world? Why is it that way? It's an easy way to get into sin and then from sin to the Gospels. Uh, one that you may have heard many times before and used. If you were to die tonight and stand before God, what would happen? Would God let you in? To heaven, or another uh, way to say that, on a scale from one to ten, how sure are you that you would get into heaven? <laughs> and usually, people who aren't Christians will answer seven, eight. And you ask why? Well, because I'm a pretty good person. But the real answer to that is it's either a it's either a one, you're definitely not, or a ten. I can, or you, you're definitely are. So Christians, we can say ten. I'm definitely going to heaven because of the blood of Jesus. And so, transition questions. And there's many, many more. There's not one right way to do this, as we'll talk about tonight. There's not, not one right way to share the gospel. And so that brings to our next point, elements of the gospel call. So there's many, many ways to share the gospel, um, but three things have to be present for it to be a gospel encounter or a uh, evangelistic encounter. First is an explanation of the facts concerning salvation. And so many of the things that we'll talk about tonight are, Are an explanation of the facts concerning salvation. So sin, uh, what we deserve because of our sin, what Jesus has done, and how does that apply to us. So that's an explanation of the facts. Second is an invitation to respond to Christ personally in repentance and faith. So we explain the facts to them and then invite them to respond in repentance and faith, to turn away from their sins and to believe and place their faith and trust in Jesus. And then a promise of forgiveness and eternal life to those who repent and believe. So those three blanks, explanation, invitation, and promise. So if you repent of your sins, the word of God promises that you will receive forgiveness of your sins and that you can have eternal life with God forever. So what are some ways that we can do that? I'm going to show you uh, three ways or four ways that I've used effectively to share the gospel. The first is the Romans Road. And so the Romans Road is just going through a couple verses in Romans. And I use this pretty much every time I share the gospel. I, I have, a, have these verses committed to memory, and they just go along with the conversation. And so does anybody, uh, let's go through them. Does anybody know the first one? Romans 3.23. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So you can, eat a short, simple, easy to quote. For all have sinned, And fall short of the glory of God. So you can explain that we are separated to God because of our sin. What is sin? It's rebellion against God and his law. It says all of us have broken the law of God. And we fall short of the glory of God. We are separated from God because of our sin. The second one is Romans 6.23. Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we have the consequence for sin, which is death. The payment for sin, what we deserve because of our sin, is death. Not only physical death, we all die physically, but spiritual death. We deserve to be separated from God for all of eternity. But God did not leave it this way. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. How is this possible? What's the next one? Romans 5.8. Good job. Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so, uh, God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. John three sixteen. another good one to put there. Romans 5, 8. The reason that we can have the free gift of life is because Christ died for us. What happened on the cross? He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God. God treated Jesus like we deserve to be treated, so we could be treated like Jesus deserved to be treated. And then Romans 10.9, how does does this apply to us? Romans 10.9 is the last one. Sorry, I didn't let you guess. Romans 10.9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's Romans 10.9. So how do you receive that gospel message? You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. You can add Romans 10.10 10 to that as well. For with the mouth one confesses and is justified and with the heart one believes. Sorry, I got that backwards. For the mouth one confesses and is saved and with the heart one uh, believes and is justified. And then three bonus ones, Romans 10.13. If you want to keep it going, I, I usually use just the first four. But if you want to keep it going, um, more scripture always, the better. Romans 10, 13, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 5, 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 38-39, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation, We'll be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so it just continues on and explains what, uh, how, what we've been saved from, how we are saved, and the benefits of salvation. And so a quick uh, way to remember that. youth, do you remember this? The cheer we did? Romans! What? You know, I, I, I remember doing it, but I don't remember what to say. Road. Okay. So I learned this. I didn't learn the Romans road until so I was in college, but this is how I learned it. So somebody was shout Romans. And every time they would do it, we would shout, 323, 623, 5, 8, 10, 9. And it stuck in my head oh, yeah, ever since then. So, adults, along with students, here we go. Ready? Okay. Romans! 323, 623, 5, 8, 10, 9. Great. All right. So, this is what we're going to do. I want this to be a practical class. So, I want us to get used to sharing our faith. And so, each step, we're going to partner up and share what we've learned. So, basically, go ahead and partner up and go through the Romans Road with your partner. Try to do it from memory, if you can. Uh, Feel free to use your sheet as a cheat sheet if you need to. But just partner up. Everybody pick a partner. And then share the gospel using the Romans Road with that person. Yeah. Uh, to... Alright, let's go ahead and, and keep going. How'd, how'd you do? Was anybody able to do it from memory? No. Good job. Anybody else? Good job. Alright, so the next, next method I want to introduce and teach you how to use is tracks. And so tracks can be very, very effective and very useful. They've been used throughout history for the spread of the gospel. Uh, Adoniram Judson, for example, one of the ways he reached Burma was his use, widespread use of tracks. But tracks can also be, um, I don't want to say, I guess an excuse to be lazy, or uh, let me say it this way. Those, you know those million dollar bill tracks? Yes. All right. What, what, I don't want, what I don't want to communicate that tracks are good for is to leave those at a restaurant in lieu of a tip. And so that's going to do no good at all. They're just going to be angry, and that is sadly all too common. Um, waiters don't appreciate that very much, and they're not going to uh, take the time to read that track, even if it's left with good intentions. If you are going to do that, leave a very, very generous tip. Um, and so... Yeah, and and the tracks. I'm fine with leaving tracks, giving out gospel tracks, but the worst shift for a server in the food industry Sunday afternoons. Sunday afternoon. Yeah. With church going to people. That's right. Small tips, twenty people at the table, everybody wants their own check. Yeah. So be very gracious to servers um, one, uh, Just while we're on that topic One way I've found to, A good way I learned from my grandpa He does this every single time I go out to eat with him Is he asks the server before we pray If there's a way that we could pray for them And, uh, and people, people don't say no to that People uh, love prayer and will take prayer Even if they don't believe in God They'll still uh, accept that prayer And often my grandpa always asks for them to stand While we pray with them? And I've never heard anybody say no. So that's a a great way to do that. And to leave a track at the end would be an excellent way to do that. But please just don't leave tracks and and not leave tips. Things like that. It's not good. All right. So two that are good. Did you already go through two ways to live in this class? Did Jerry take you through that? Yes, he did? Okay. All right. So we'll go through that one uh, quickly in a second. But I want to show you this one, uh, the three circles, life conversation guide. And so there's actually... Uh, this is really really great resource there's also an app if you want to download it on your phone you can go to the app store and type in life on mission Um, or you can just you can memorize it it's very very simple and so I'm gonna go through it just real quickly on the board and then I'm gonna give you a chance to go through it with your partner and so basically this one starts with on the first page we live in a broken world and so uh, everyone recognizes, Christian or non-Christian, that this world is broken, that it's not the way it should be, that there is sickness and death and disease and famine and hunger and all of these things. And so we say we, we live in a, in a broken world, broken lives, broken relationships, broken systems, and this brokenness is seen through the suffering of, of all people. And. Uh, you said, "Do you think the world is as it should be?" And pretty much everyone will answer, "No." And so, in contrast to this brokenness, we still do see some glimpses of goodness. There are there are good relationships. There are uh, there there is some some resemblance of a design. So that's the first circle, is God's design. So what I like about this one is this can be drawn on a napkin, on a piece of paper. Or you can use the app, or you can use this. The first one is God's design. So God designed the world to be perfect. Genesis 1 says that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and all its creation was very good. But since the first creation of mankind, all people have sinned against God. Sin is rebellion against God, rebellion against his good design, trying to make ourselves like God. And this has resulted in the brokenness of the world. And this brokenness doesn't just stay in humanity, it spreads throughout all of life. And so all the brokenness in the world that we see today stems from sin. So war and famine and disease and death and hunger, all of these things stem from sin. And because of our sin, not only is this world broken, but our relationship with God is broken. And we deserve death because of our sin. So this is bad news, but God did not leave it this way. God provided a way out he provided the gospel he sent jesus christ his son to die in our place to take on our sins to himself so that we might have a right relationship with god and the way we receive that is through repentance and faith repentance means to turn away so to turn away from our sins faith is belief or trust and so the way that we receive the gospel is we're all headed this way towards hell towards sin towards our own desires to repent means to do a complete 180 to turn away from sins and to trust in christ for all salvation instead of trusting in ourselves and once we receive that then we can recover and pursue god's design we can start to see uh, have joy and fulfillment in this life we can start to see the good of god's design for for marriage and for the world and for the church. And so one day, God will bring all things back together for good. He's going to come back to earth to judge the living and the dead, and those who have believed in Christ, believed in the gospel, will be able to live forever with God in heaven, enjoying God's good design for creation. So that's Life Three Circles in a nutshell. So take a few moments now to go through that, each of you with your partner. Feel free to use the guide as a help. (laughs) All right, next track is the Two Ways to Live track. All right, attention. So the next track is the Two Ways to Live track. Um, so Jerry went through this with you. Is that right? He gave it to us and told us to go through it. Okay, great. So I'm going to go through it very quickly and then give you a chance to go through it and practice with somebody. So basically the way this one works is as you go through, the one on the left is just a shortened version of the one on the right. And so you can just go through and ask these questions with someone. I think the best way to use tracts is to sit down with someone and and to go through it with them and then give it to them for them to read and to follow up with. So this one, basically two ways to live. So first is that God is the loving ruler of the world. He made the world. He made us rulers of the world with him. But is that the way the world is now? No, we all reject the ruler God by trying to run our life, life our own way without him. But we fail to rule ourselves or society or the world. So what will God do about this rebellion? God will not let us rebel forever. God's punishment for rebellion is death and judgment. God's justice sounds harsh, but because of his love, God sent his son Jesus into the world. The man, Jesus Christ. Jesus always lived under God's rule. Yet by dying in our place, he took the punishment and brought forgiveness. But that's not all. God raised Jesus to life again as the ruler of the world. Jesus has conquered death, now gives new life, and will return to judge. Well, where does that leave us? You have two options. There's two ways to live. A, we can live our way. We can reject the ruler. We can reject God. We can try to run life our own way. And that will result in being condemned by God, facing death and judgment. Or, we could live God's way. We could submit to Jesus as our ruler. We can rely on Jesus' death and resurrection. The result, to be forgiven by God, and to be given eternal life. And then you ask the person, which of these represents the way that you want to live? And so this is made, we can go through it a couple of times, so if they say, well I still want to live my own way, then you can start from the beginning, and, and give more detail. Uh, and then, on the other right, or you can give it to uh, it's, like, it's like one of the uh, choose your own adventure books. You lose. It's time to start over. So, um, the, the way the way to live is to is to live and accept God's kingship and to accept and to accept and submit to Him. Um, and so that's an easy way. It's a really really great gospel presentation. So take a minute and just kind of try to go through that with your partner. All right, let's go ahead and, and keep going. So now you have you have two gospel tracks in your hands. And here's my challenge to you. Over this next week, find two people to give each of these two. And to try to sit down and to share the gospel with them. If you can't do it this week, then this month. Just sometime soon, take these two gospel tracks and go through it with someone. It'll be, uh, if you haven't done this in a while, it'll be very nerve-wracking. You'll be nervous about it, but you can do it. I promise you can do it. And uh, you've practiced here, so next time it will just be with someone who doesn't know Jesus. And you're going to have a great conversation with them, uh, even if you get rejected. It was still a gospel conversation. Um, and so usually, I mean, people, we, I think we hype up rejection uh, a lot more than actually happens. Um, I don't know if I'm recording or not. But I, I, the, where we live, people are very, very, they're open to talk about this sort of thing. Um, they, they don't, they might, the worst they're going to do is just say, I don't want to talk about this. And that, that's it. That's the worst we have to fear. There's parts of the world where you have to fear imprisonment or death for sharing the gospel. And so there's no reason why we, why we should hold on to this message for ourselves. And like we've talked about many, many times, God is bringing the world to us. And so you don't have to go very far to find someone from an unreached people group living right around us. And so they have access to the gospel by living here, and you're it. So you're, you are their access to the gospel. Um, and so don't, don't, try to, don't miss these opportunities. So give away these two tracks and have a gospel conversation this week. The last last thing I want to teach you is what's called creation to Christ. And so creation to Christ is used uh, mostly in storing cultures and so um, in other contexts. So this is what we use in Senegal. This is what we use with people, with people who don't know the story of Christianity, um, but it can definitely be used here. So I've given you this kind of printout. This is from the IMB, and so this is uh, their version of the story. And you can tell it uh, many, many different ways. But basically what it's doing is starting at creation, starting in Genesis 1, and going all the way to Christ. So creation to Christ. And we know that all things in Scripture are pointing straight to Jesus. And so you can, you can use this... Um, in the states, it doesn't have to be another culture that doesn't know about Christ. I use this. Um, so I was on jury duty in the first week in April on a on a murder trial, actually. Um, and so oh, what? So I was on jury duty in a murder trial, and um, I got to know this this uh, older guy. He he was so he was so funny the, the whole time. He was like a six weeks away from turning 70 when you turn 70 you don't have to go to jury trial, jury duty anymore and so he was so mad but he had been on jury like five times in his life but we got to know each other real well um, and we became friends that week and after the, the day the deliberations were done we, were, we went too late so we missed the bus back to the parking lot and so we were walking back and we were just talking he knew i was a pastor and so we were just talking about stuff and then um he asked me he asked me a question and then i was able basically to this is kind of going back to our first point make a connection and and use what we had just been through. So uh, the judge, the guy, the guy's name was William Clark, and he had stabbed a woman 28 times, and that was that was the yeah that's not funny, but that that's, that's that was the case. And but we didn't have um, we didn't have a whole lot of information. So there was some sloppy police work we found out, and we found out later there was actually a confession that got through out of evidence, and so we didn't get to see the confession. And so uh, so there was a lot of information we didn't know. But I got to use that as an example. I, I said. Uh, the judge was named Judge Barwick, and I would say, I said, if Judge Barwick knew, without a shadow of a doubt, if we, that William Clark was, was guilty, but she let him go free because of good things he had done, this, uh, Tom, the guy I was talking to, was Catholic, so he believed in good, that good works help us gain entry uh, into heaven, that good works help us with salvation, if I were to say that he, she, he knew, she knew that he was guilty, without a shadow of a doubt, and she let him go free, would she be a good judge? And he said, well, no, of course not. I said, well, God is, God is the same way. God is a good judge, and he would not be a good judge if he let guilty people go free, and we are all guilty. And then I, from there, I started from creation to Christ. And so I said, God made the world, and then I went through here. So I do it a little bit differently. This is the way I have it memorized. Um, but creation to Christ. So I, the way I do it, I'll just kind of go through, and then I'm going to give you all a chance to, to do it kind of your own way. You can use this as a basis. You can use this as a basis. You can use the Bible as a basis. That's what we're hoping for. And so all of, all of Scripture points towards Jesus. So we can start from the very beginning, and we know that Jesus wasn't plan B. And so one thing I don't necessarily like about this way is um, they don't mention Jesus or a Messiah until basically Jesus comes. I like to do it right here, Right at the very beginning of the redemption Because before God created the world He knew he was sending Jesus And So the way I do it is I say In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth So everything exists because God created them God spoke them all into existence And then I'll name things that we can see The mountains and the trees and the birds And the water And all of creation was very very good It says in Genesis 1 And the pinnacle of his creation was mankind God said let us make man in our own image uh, Genesis 1, 26 and 27, male and female, he created them in his own image. And man was to be his vice regents. They were to rule over the earth. He set them up to have dominion over the, the birds and the fish and the, and the creatures and to put them in the garden to work. And they had a perfect relationship with God. There's Adam and Eve and God, and they, were, they, were, they, were, they were, had a perfect relationship and perfect fellowship. But God gave them one rule. He said, you must not eat the tree of knowledge of good and evil for the day you eat of it you will surely die and one day a serpent tempted the woman tempted eve and said you will not surely die and so eve ate the fruit gave some to her husband and they disobeyed god their relationship with god was broken so god put a curse on the man and the woman and the serpent he kicked them out of the garden but he did not leave them without a promise genesis 3 15 when god is speaking to the serpent he says this he says you will crush prop uh, proper enmity between you and the seed of the woman. you will crush his heel you will sorry, you will bite his heel, but he will crush your head and this was a promise of a messiah that God was going to cover the sins of his people, that God was going to send a rescuer for his people. Adam and Eve had made uh, clothes sowed clothes out of fig leaves to cover their nakedness because they knew they were naked and they were ashamed, so God killed an animal and, and covered them with with animal skins. And so from the very beginning, we see that sin, uh, the wages of sin is death, that they deserved death. So, no, they didn't die physically, but they did die spiritually. They were separated from God, and an animal had to die because of their sin. Fast forward in the story a little bit. Adam and Eve had had children, and their children had children, and their children had children, and the world was being filled. But the world did not was not good. They did not follow God. They did not trust God. They did what was right in their own eyes. And the Bible says that the heart of men was continually evil. And so God regretted that he had made man. And he said, I'm going to wipe them all out. I'm going to start anew with Noah and his family. So by his grace, he saved Noah and his family by telling Noah to build An ark, and every single person in the world, other than Noah and his family, was destroyed by the flood. This is how serious sin is that we deserve death because of our sin. Fast forward a little bit in the story, we get to a guy named Abraham, and God appears to Abraham and tells Abraham, even though he's an old man, that he's going to have a son, and that he's going to create a great nation out of Abraham. And through Abraham's offspring, all the nations of the world would be blessed. And so we see this, this seed coming back from Genesis 3:15, this promise of a savior. It's going to come through Abraham. The offspring of Abraham is going to be a blessing to all nations. So Abraham had a son who had a son who had 12 sons, and a nation was formed out of Abraham, the nation of Israel. Israel lived in Egypt for a time, and they were enslaved for 400 years. but God sent Moses to save his people. But Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, did not listen to Moses. He did not let God's people go. And so God sent plagues to strike Egypt. He sent flies and gnats and frogs and boils and all of these things. But Pharaoh still did not listen. The final plague was the plague of the death of the firstborn. And so God told Moses, tell the Israelites, if they were to take a perfect lamb without splot or blemish, and they were to kill that lamb and spread his blood on the doorposts, then I will pass over their house. I will not kill the firstborn son. So this death pointed again towards the need for a sacrifice, this bloodshed for sin. And so it happened that night. The Israelites had all painted blood on their doorposts. The Holy Spirit, the spirit of death, went over it, passed over those houses. But all the firstborn of Egypt all died. Finally, Pharaoh let Moses' people go. They were able to escape from Egypt, and they went into the Promised Land. Hundreds of years later, God rose up a king named David. And he said to David, you are, you are a good king, and you will have a son one day to sit on the throne forever and ever. He promised a king would come that would be a good king, that would be the savior of all people. This, again, was pointing towards the seed from Genesis 3.15. God sent many prophets to the nation of Israel, one of these being Isaiah. And Isaiah the prophet specifically told of the death of this Messiah, this one that was to come. He said that he would be crucified on a cross Years before crucifixion was ever invented, that his nail, that his hands and feet would be pierced for our transgressions, and that he would be crushed for for our iniquity. Fast forward a few hundred years, we get to the last prophet before Jesus, John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is baptizing for the repentance of sins. And then he sees a man named Jesus. And the first thing he says when he sees Jesus is, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so Israel had been sacrificing lamb after lamb after lamb. And none of them were able to take away sins. They were only able to cover it. But John the Baptist said that Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You see, God, Jesus was God in the flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is this Word. He lived a perfect life. He completely in obedience to God and His law, never sinned, yet uh, He died. He died on a cross to take the punishment for our sins. And though He suffered tremendously physically, the worst suffering of all was the full wrath of God being poured out for our sins. The full cup of God's wrath against us for our sins. What we deserve because of our sins Jesus paid on the cross and the last words of Jesus before he uh before he died was it is finished the payment for sin was finally finished in Jesus Christ So Jesus died he was buried but three days later God raised him up from the dead showing that he defeated sin death and the enemy and that his payment for sin was accepted so that all who believe in him might not perish that we might not die that we deserve to die but that we would have eternal life with Christ Jesus, our Lord. And if we repent of our sins, turn away from them, and believe in Christ, then we will receive forgiveness of sins and live with Jesus forever. We know that one day, restoration, that one day, God is going to make this world anew, that he's going to come to judge the living and the dead and to set up his kingdom on earth forever. He's going to make this world that is broken, he's going to renew it and make it good again. And we're going to live with God forever and ever. So that's creation of Christ. You can do it different ways you can do it this way you can follow this outline you can ignore everything I just said except for the parts from the Bible and uh, and, and do it whatever way you want so go ahead now and take a, take a few few seconds to kind of prepare yourself collect your thoughts see what you want to use of this, what you want to use of this and then um, you've got about five minutes left and then uh, and then share maybe an abbreviated version with your partner so go ahead and take a few minutes to do that. Let's go ahead and wrap up and, and close in prayer. And so hopefully hopefully you have four new ways to share the gospel or four ways that you've been reminded of to share the gospel. I just want to encourage you uh, to take this and to use it. And so to to share the gospel. I mentioned Sunday we really do want to create a culture of evangelism here. And so I gave a little preview of... What's coming up in August, uh, the North American Mission Board is, is launching... Actually, J.D. Greer, who's the president of the SBC right now, has launched what's called the Who's Your One campaign. And so he's asking every Southern Baptist to identify one person that they're going to pray for for 30 days and to commit to share the gospel with. And so We're launching that first week of August. So go ahead and start now to try to identify that person you're going to pray for. And you don't have to wait until August to share the gospel with them. Take every opportunity to share the gospel um, and I just want to encourage you uh, in, in your day-to-day life, people you encounter, to, to share the gospel with them, to, to take advantage of every single opportunity. So let's, let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this time that we could just talk about methods for sharing your gospel. It's such good news. We have, been, we have been saved by it. And it's like if we had the, the cure to cancer, we wouldn't dare to keep that to ourselves. We have greater news than even the cure to cancer. We have the cure for our souls, the way to salvation, the way to have a relationship with you. So how dare we keep silent, oh God? How dare we keep this to ourselves? Let us go out and proclaim this gospel, for we not, cannot keep silent of who you are and what you have done for us. And so I pray for everyone in this room, for everyone in this church that's not in this room, Lord, that you would create a culture of evangelism here, that we would talk about evangelism, that we would ask each other, who are you sharing the gospel with or who have you shared the gospel with this week? And we could. Pray for one another, encourage one another, spur one another on to good works. So, Lord, let us diligently pray for and proclaim the gospel to everyone in our lives to go out and to be your witnesses to the ends of this earth. God, we love you so much. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.